You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street, horror for the casually obsessed. I'm Kim. I'm John. And this week, win or die, we are talking about Ready or Not from 2019, the nuptial horror film with a hide-and-go-seek twist. Yeah, it's a survive-the-night horror action thriller comedy on uh, on Samara Weaving's fucking wedding night. We're going to talk about that movie very soon, but before we get into it, John, what's keeping you creepy this week? Well, to be perfectly honest, the only thing keeping us creepy right now, like kind of nonstop since last Friday, has been the Evil Dead game. I don't know about you guys, uh, we've been playing it every single night that we can. I still suck at it. Yeah, I mean, I I'm not very so good hard. either. It's I don't so know what half the buttons hard. mean. <laughs> the, the problem is you panic, right? You're just like, ah! <laughs> you just like start smashing shit. Yeah. You're like, hopefully I win. The Deadites are fucking scary. Yeah, the Deadites are way too powerful. They I can th- jump scare you, and they can fucking be little hands coming out of crates. They can do everything. If you're a big fan of the Friday the 13th game that came out a few years ago on PlayStation and Xbox and whatnot, it's very similar, but also way fucking harder. It's just as cool. It's got, you know, all your favorite characters from the movies and the TV show. There are so many characters, and I feel like I'm not a very good Evil Dead fan because I'm like, who is this? Well, I mean... Who am I playing? <laughs> we haven't finished... <laughs> who is this person? <laughs> you know, like, we aren't as familiar with the TV show as we are with, say, just Evil Dead 2. Like, Evil Dead 2 <laughs> is my Bible as far as horror movies go, and I uh, I kind of make us watch it in any opportunity I have. So, you know, big hey, whenever Henrietta shows up, you're like, oh, that's my girl! No, but she is impossible to kill, and she... She's way too strong. They are going to have to put out a patch. I, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. She is too strong. Or I just suck. But hey, you know, if you want to play with us, you can find us in Discord uh, at nofspodcast.com slash Discord. We've got a game room set up. Everybody's sharing their usernames. And this game also seems to be really cross-platform compatible. Yeah, we've been playing with people that on PC and Switch. I haven't seen Xbox yet, but... Maybe it doesn't. Maybe the two of those don't Ooh. really, yeah. But yeah, we've been playing with a ton of other people, so I think you can have fun. Five people for, per game. We've already played with some people from the Fiend Club. It's been so much fun. It's a great party game. Oh, yeah. I prefer p- playing it with people I know. It's it's a lot more like devious and underhanded and fun. Yeah, if you're a, if you're a horror fan looking for a new video game, you cannot do better than the new Evil Dead game. We also caught this weekend the new Firestarter film. The remake is in theaters. It is directed by Keith Thomas, who you may remember from a film called The Vigil that we were really, really into so good. Uh, a couple years ago. Such a good fucking movie. And this one is scored by John Carpenter and Cody Carpenter's son and a couple other people. Daniel Davis. They got the fucking, like, the Carpenter band, baby. The Carpenter crew, I suppose. <laughs> John, you want to go first, or should I go? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, we've uh, I, I wrote the review for this one. If you want to uh, 
Check you sound so out. down. Yeah, you know, like we had th- we had big plans about maybe doing a drive home from the drive-in for this movie. You know, like neither of us were huge Firestarter fans in general. I will say the remake really made me want to watch the original. Oh, that's that's the big that one of the biggest compliments you can give a remake, right? <laughs> Full review. It felt a lot like a COVID movie. It was very hunkered down and a lot more intimate than I was expecting. Yeah. Not that the original Firestarter had a huge cast or anything, but the scenes were, most of them were two people max, right? Yeah. It didn't bring a whole lot of new innovation to the story. The stuff that they expanded on was a lot of the pre-on-the-run stuff, and I just wanted to see them on the run. Yeah, it's it's 100% more of a superhero movie, like a dark, horror-tinged superhero There was a lot story. of special powers. And I, I don't know, just like how they approach it, like the, the, the hero's journey of it all, I don't quite understand why the end of the movie is the way the end of the movie is like i I obviously i'm not going to spoil anything here Uh, i have questions about it oddly enough i think it might actually make a pretty okay pairing with another telekinetic kid movie that's in theaters right now the innocence uh it's also on vod so you can watch it at home that's a swedish movie about it's kind of like scanners we've talked about it a little bit on the podcast already but uh i kept thinking about it while i was writing the review for firestarter like god damn kind of cool that both of these movies came out right here they also kind of have a little bit of a superhero vibe to both of them but firestarter is just uh yeah unfortunately probably not going to make our top of the year list Um, Yeah, and it just didn't have as much action as I was expecting. Even the action sequences felt very slowed down. And because, I guess, when this is made versus when the other was made, there was a lot more leniency with practical fire effects. Oh, yeah. In the 80s, they were like, let's put everybody in danger. It's nothing. (laughs) The only thing important is the shot. Blow it up. It made made for some great (laughs) moments in the original movie. I'll give you that. But it looked dangerous as fuck. Yeah, this one's got a lot of CGI Fire Force 5 powers. Yeah, you know, it looked pretty okay. Uh, I'll, I'll say at the very least it has the, I was talking about this on Twitter, the, the save the cat moment. You see them in movies all the time where your your hero or your villain or whoever does something nice, usually saving a cat. That's where the, the phrase comes from. Uh, in this, the saving the cat means putting it out of its misery. <laughs> because you've almost killed the cat? Yeah. And also comes back in a big way at the end of the movie. There are some practical effects in it that are great. Like, I love a good burned wound. I, I love a good full body burn when somebody is just lit up like a, like a blowtorch. I love that shit. So, and, then, and that's all in there. So that's all the good stuff. But not 100% uh, of my big fan. Not a really big fan of that one. <laughs> <laughs> But enough complaining. Let's talk about a movie that we absolutely love. Speaking of which, check out The Vigil if you haven't seen it yet. Keith Thomas's first movie. It's fucking incredible. One of the scariest movies I've seen in the last five years. So, so good. Yeah. The thing, too, is The Vigil's such a dark and dread-filled movie. Like, please give him a haunted house film. Oh, yeah. No, his next movie's going to be so fucking scary. I can't <laughs> wait. Uh, but we are here today to talk about Matt Olpin and Tyler Gillette's Ready or Not. They just came out with Scream 5 earlier this year ready or not again like the vigil one of our favorites of the last few years and put them on the map for sure so without further ado here's our discussion on ready or not i can't believe that in half an hour i will be a part of the ladomas gaming dynasty empire uh dominion we prefer dominion i honestly can't wait to be a part of your family still there's just one more thing. And then you are officially part of the family. 
So at midnight, you have to play a game. Why? It's just something we do when someone new joins the family. A game. What game? Hide and seek? Are we really going to play that? Well, the rules are simple. You can hide anywhere. We then try to find you. So there's no way for me to win, right? And stay hidden till dawn. <laughs> no, thank you. Good luck. What the hell is this? How old is this thing? I know you're in here. Oh, Jesus. You shot the maid. Does she look like she's wearing a giant white wedding dress? Emily? <laughs> Holy shit! I had to play along so that I can get you out. It's insane. They think they have to kill you before sunrise. Or something very bad will happen to the family. If we don't find her and perform the ritual, we're all dead. Found her. God damn it, Emily! I don't know what I'm doing! And today's video is called... Getting to know your crossbow. I forgot my gun. Why don't you just use mine? Mr. Lodomas, I just saw her running. You're just another sacrifice. Do you think this is a fucking game? Yes, I didn't see. Remember? You wanted to get married. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ready or Not from 2019 is currently sitting at a 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb, 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 3.6 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Don't you just love original content? Isn't it the best? <laughs> don't you just, it's just, breathe it in. Well, it's also like, you, don't you just love original content that you love? I don't mean, you just love original content? <laughs> but yeah, it also helps that this movie is good. Yeah, that always helps. And fun. This is 100% a movie that was written from the design, like the look of the character backward, right? Like they had an idea, like, I just, I have this image of uh, a bride on her wedding day and she's got a fucking ammo belt around her and a shotgun in her hands. Yellow Converse as well? How do we write that into a movie? I don't know. I honestly think it started with the nugget of, we want to do like a satanic cult type movie. So let's think of something that's quirky and out of the box. And what do we know about the devil that hasn't really been utilized in a fun way is that he loves fucking games. The devil loves games. Yeah, not enough mischievous devil stuff. Uh, see it a lot more in like foreign horror lately at least. But yeah, love a good, uh, even though he's not in it, you know, he's just, he looms large over every scene. Uh, yeah, love a good, uh, love a good playful devil. It's just so cool to see like an updated modern day devil in in that he gets in like the corporate world and he's manufacturing, you know, these board games and stuff in a way like he's he's got his puppet strings in the mo modern day world and board games are timeless. So it's something that he could essentially do for centuries. OK, look, this is a relatively new film compared to what we normally cover on the podcast. We're usually like a early 2000s is as late as we get kind of group. Uh, but I'm just going to remind you right now, we're going to spoil the fuck out of this movie if you haven't seen it yet. I know it's been three years, you've had your chance, but just heads up, we're, we're getting into all of it. I don't know 
if there's really a whole lot to spoil about this movie. The ending, baby. I know, but you... What are you talking about? You kind of know going into it that, like, okay, they're going to hunt her down. Yeah, no, that's... <laughs> you know that. And and watching it, you almost feel upset that you that you knew that going in. Like, all the trailers, everything promised you that. But it, it, this would just be such a fun movie to explore knowing nothing. Uh, and just going into it completely cold. But regarding the devil stuff... One of the best things about this movie is that you don't really know if it's real or not. Like, the, the the whole movie, there is the guise of, like, maybe they're just nuts. Maybe all of this whole, we gotta kill her before dawn, otherwise we all die, is bullshit. And the craziest thing is that if you had to ask me, like, cold, not seeing the movie, not knowing the story fully, like, okay, we're gonna do a satanic worship movie, would you be upset if it turned out the devil wasn't real and they were just being phonies? And I would've been like, ew, that's so lame. But this movie, the way it's staged and how the family acts and all of the crazy rituals that they go through, through to the ending that it could have went either way and I would have been totally fine. Oh yeah, like the the You kind of get both. <laughs> you you do kind of get both. I'm super happy that we get the one that tips into like, oh yeah, no, he the devil's fucking real and they're all going to explode into giant geysers of blood in the end. Uh that sealed the deal on this movie. It probably would have been a great movie even without that, but like that's what tips it over into just like, yep, best of the decade. I don't know. I would have been fine with either. <laughs> what made it, what sealed it for me was the the record playing with that fun little song. Run, run, run. As soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, yeah. This yeah. is it. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> I, I like when it comes back at the end of the movie, too. And it's all, and it's fucking, all warbled. It's all warbled because the house is on fire. So, like, the record's getting all, like, bent out of shape and shit. And it's like, run, run, run. That was great. So good. That was great. So good. <laughs> you did really good melty impression. That was in camera, in, in microphone. There were no post effects on that. <laughs> actually, fun fact. And uh-huh. I, I, I've probably said this. Well, I, I know I tweeted it when the film came out. My parents actually got married where this was filmed. That place is called Parkwood Estates. Yep. And you can go there for like tea time. They do. Yeah. It's an open grounds of, I don't know, some, I guess his name was Parkwood. I think so. Some like rich general or I don't know, man. But it's a nice property. And uh, <laughs> a lot of people get married there and take wedding photos. And I have photos of my parents circa like 1980 with my mom's crazy perm and my dad's full white tuxedo. Right. With, with all of his brothers and their crazy long we're in a band hair. That was a decade for white tuxedos. <laughs> Man. He looked so classy, though. And my mom had uh, one. Like, you remember when you got married wearing a hat? Well, she had a hat. And, and yeah, that's great. <laughs> I will share those photos, though, because it's exactly the same. Even the shrubberies, I think, are ex- manicured the exact same way. And it's been 40 years, 40 years since then. Yeah, approximately, yeah. I'm yeah. sure it's one of those, like, perpetuity things where, you know, like, a rich person dies and they have some weird, crazy will that basically says, like, until the end of time, <laughs> until my money runs out, which it won't, because I'm stupid rich, you must do things like I say, including these shrubs never change. Yeah, but they film so much shit there because anytime you need, a like, a place with a big, expansive front yard with a big, large pond, yep. they filmed that Adam Sandler movie where he's, Billy like... A- Madison, I was baby. like a rich kid 
but he's an adult. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't worry. I was going to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So maybe uh, I'm a long lost relative of the Damases. Doubt one, it. One of the branches <laughs> that didn't get any money. <laughs> Highly doubt it. Uh, I I wrote down so many fun things. Not fun things. I wrote I wrote down so many thoughts uh, before we got started. Uh, and I love that anytime I watch this movie, like you look, you learn more about the characters upon further rewatches. Not because you missed something the first time, but it's just like there's there there are hints at who they all are throughout their their dialogue. Nothing's necessarily spelled out to you. I, I love that the family all marries down. That is such, such a great detail. Every single one of them marries somebody below them because they're they're worried that they might have to kill them. And you definitely can't marry another rich family because you'll have to kill some rich dude's daughter and good luck trying to so, like get rid of that person. How do you how do you marry somebody, murder them, and then hide that whole thing. You marry somebody that has no family. Oh, fuck. Grace has no family. Uh, Adam Brody's wife d- was definitely a stripper who all is, is, he has a very big, like, I'm never, you know where I came from. I'm not going back to that. The, the dumbass brother in law, I'm sure he's got no people. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, by the looks of it, mom uh, also kind of is also very much like Grace, came from a place of not having a family and really married into to her status. Wow, that's that's really interesting. It's it's funny too that you say that because you do kind of notice things and the second and third and fourth watches of this movie, you're less watching the action sequences of them trying to murder this girl and more just watching for the dynamics of the family. Oh yeah. Cuz you're like what kind of family would continue to play this game? Like why are all the siblings more or less on board for this? Yeah. Why are they still getting married? <laughs> I I also love that his his sister and her husband and their kids don't show up to the wedding because the game that they play that night is more important. Like, the wedding is n- inconsequential. Yeah. Like, they have, like, oh, you know, we couldn't get the fucking charter plane or whatever. Like, they have some dumb excuse. If it was really important for them to be... If they actually gave a shit about the wedding, they'd be there. But it's more important for them to be there for the game. Yeah. That's the one thing they're not late for. I'm just surprised Grace was, like, so on board to get married at this rich castle with no reception. Like, was she just like, oh, okay, uh... No. No, there was definitely a reception. Do you think? We just skipped it. Oh. There was a whole like she's okay, they're not they're not stupid drunk by the end of the night like you would expect. <laughs> Maybe that's why you're thinking she didn't have a reception, but there was a lot of like, oh, and it was all a blur. It went by so fast. I think we just skipped the whole reception. All right. Because there were people there. There were people. There were people. Yeah. They did have people at their wedding. Another another little detail about like the family stuff. I love it's all family stuff. It's a fucking family movie. <laughs> Anything I bring up is gonna be family related. But right at the beginning of the movie, when when Grace Samara Weaving is sort of like reciting her vows into a mirror, she's just talking to herself about the day and she mentions that his brother, your your alcoholic brother, keeps hitting on me. I think that's like his way of trying to break up this wedding. <gasps> oh, like he's low key. Yeah, I think he's low key trying to good guy her out of the. Well, he's, he's he comes across as a shithead, but I think he's trying to like I could I'm gonna do my this is the last ditch effort I have to break up this wedding. Like I'll literally it's, ruin their marriage so she doesn't have to die. It's very true because there's zero romantic chemistry between them and the entire movie from his side as well like even when he ends up rescuing her it's not because he has romantic feelings for her he just fucking thinks what his family's doing is wrong yeah he's so crippled by it like and he's the kid in the beginning who who calls out and alerts everyone to where um like the, the cold open of this movie takes place 30 years before the events and we're seeing daniel and alex's aunt 
hunting down her husband, her her groom, really. Not even really, uh, they, they, they just got married the night before. He's the one who alerts the family to where they are, and I guess he's carried that weight with him his entire life. Yeah. I, I love at the end when he saves her, and she's like, I knew you would save me. He's like, really? I didn't. <laughs> like, it's just, <laughs> he's just fed up. He doesn't want to do this anymore. He never wanted to do this from day one, and it's just, it's ruined him from the inside out. He didn't poison his family nearly enough. <laughs> I don't think he wanted to kill them, right? I know. I think because in his head, he's still thinking it's bullshit, which means he's the one character in this movie, other than like the maids, who dies uh, thinking that it's bullshit. True. That is very true. What's up with the maids, by the way? I I think one is kind of for the body count, but I was about to say that because the whole movie, I'm like, what is the deal this butler has made? Because he's doing all of the fucking work. Like when yeah. when Grace escapes and she's running the grounds and she's driving the car and stuff, the family doesn't even leave the house. They're like, oh, no. butler will get it. Yeah, and, that's and not he, for us. And he does. <laughs> and like maybe at some point there's a bit of vengeance because his face is like fucking burnt up. Oh, but sure. he's working hard for this family. Is he cut in on the deal as well? Absolutely Why not. would he continue to work? <laughs> I think uh, he's just, he thinks he's above peasants, but he is himself still a peasant. But... Yeah, it's like a vampire's familiar. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, totally. There are plenty of mean ways to describe it, but uh, but I like that one. <laughs> I like that one a lot more. I was bringing up the maids because they look like goth models. I was going to say, like, they belong waitressing at a, at a party themed to the Matrix. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> their hair's all slicked back and they're very intense. Every single one of their deaths is hysterical. Every single, I don't care if it's for the body count. Like, good, we needed a body <laughs> count. They're not gonna kill these kids before the credits roll. We need every single one of the wait staff to go. It's also kind of exemplifies that this family is aren't proficient killers. They do it maybe once every twenty years. No, it's it's just like everything else they do. It's fucking pageantry, right? Like they, it's all about tradition. It's all about this, and that's why we have to use these dumb, inefficient weapons and whatnot. And it's 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 their downfall. Um, the fucking aristocratic rich people love pageantry. It's what it's all, it's what it's all about. <laughs> That's true. Uh, one thing that I kind of captured in this that I don't know if I really clocked in my first few watches mm-hmm. is all of the goats. The goat barn. Like you just, when you see a rich stable, you're just like, oh yeah, of course they have a stable. Of course but, they have horses. <laughs> but there's, it's not horses. It's no. goats. They're raising goats for sacrifices. And when she falls in that like goat pool of dead goats, those aren't just goats that died of old age. Those are goats they've sacrificed yeah. on like, I'm assuming an off year if somebody who marries into the family doesn't pull a human sacrifice card i'm sure they finish the night by initiating them with a goat sacrifice oh it's got to be like at least once a year that's what i'm guessing yeah like every christmas they sacrifice a fucking goat oh maybe (laughs) yeah that makes sense but it's and somebody sent like gives an offhanded remark like oh just killing goats with your family nothing weird about that like yeah yeah yeah. so there's a lot of anteing that goes with making a deal with the devil i know i made i made so many goat notes uh (laughs) goat notes (laughs) and every single one of them got answered i was like yo why do they just have goats is it because they're satanists and goats are cool for satanists i mean that's plausible i would buy that even if they didn't sacrifice them it's just like yeah we it's a goat thing. Yeah, it turns turns out it was just a sacrifice. But here's here's the other thing that I think they're playing with a little bit. Um, it's weird that they don't just burn the goat body because I think that's normally what they did in the Bible when they had to like sacrifice, make like an offering. You'd like kill a goat, you'd burn it on the pyre or whatever, and that's. Nah, I thought it was a blood now. thing. Whatever. <laughs> it does, yeah, I'm 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 sure I'm getting it all wrong. 
the way they have their setup is like way eviler. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like, just toss it in the pit, let it rot, get gross. Remind all the other goats what their fate is. Like, they don't even put, they don't have the decency to put the goat pit away from the goats. <laughs> That's pretty rude. Yeah, I mean, they put Hiba bodies down there, too. So it's kind of like an Nganga. Do you know what an Nganga is? No. I don't remember. I heard about it on a podcast. It was probably last podcast on the left, actually. An Nganga is like, I'm just going to say voodoo. It's not voodoo. But f- because voodoo is a cool word, that's the, what we're using. It's It's like a pit or an area. It's like a composting bin for... For religious practices, dark religious practices. I think you can use it for like regular ass religious practices, but you feed your nganga and like oh. that's like you give so it's offerings like a wart to... of for bread. Yeah, totally, <laughs> like right? A devil wart. But it's like depending on what you put in it, like that's that's like the power that you drive from it. So like you start putting in like blood and shit, and the nganga gets hungry, and you have to give it more blood, and like so now you start to get like an evil nganga. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's yeah, exactly. Audrey two's an nganga. Sure. Where are your bodies in Ngong? <laughs> <laughs> My body likes garlic bread. Yeah, but I think that's what what you what kind of powers do you derive from garlic bread? Stomach aches. Okay. <laughs> that's good. That's that's dark magic. You gotta learn how to harness that. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's that's just kind of like a cool evil thing because it seems impractical for them to keep dead bodies around. I think that's just another sign that like the things the rich can do. Like they oh, can they, just yeah, they get leave, away with murder. They can just leave a, a human body on their property rotting for 50 years and nothing comes of it. There's no risk. All you have to do is open a wooden door and you're like, oh shit, that's a human corpse. Yeah, surely to God, somebody would walk by and be like, smells like death. (laughs) I guess the goat shit kind of hides it. (laughs) Nothing gets past goat shit. (laughs) They seem to produce it wholesale. (laughs) Man, Samara Weaving kicks so much ass in this movie. She's so fun. And it's not even just like the action and the screaming and the surviving. She's just quirky. Yeah. Before all this starts, she's just hilarious and fun. All of her line deliveries, you're just like, oh, you're just... You're just so sweet. Yeah. I mean, part of that, too, is that, like, we know what's waiting for her. She doesn't. So, like, there's there's some idea, like, oh, you don't even know what you're in for right now. When she's waiting in the dumbwaiter and she's just like, how was your wedding? Oh, I'm just sitting in a dumbwaiter. Yeah. <laughs> and then she gets out and you're like, no, you stay in there. It's the worst night to play hide and seek ever. Because you're just like, it's my fucking wedding night. I don't want to. I don't want to do this. One, you're wearing a fucking white dress in a ma- mahogany, rich clue house. Not fair. No, and you're puffy. You're wearing like tool everywhere. You can't even hide behind a corner without a puff of tool poking out. Yep. Like insult to injury, he doesn't fucking tell her what's gonna happen. That's what makes him the biggest douche of all. Because it sounds like everybody else that married into the family knew about it before the wedding. Oh, it's you like, think so? They, I think they they spell that out oh. he, Adam Brody definitely told his wife I think everybody else was sort of aware of it by this by the sounds of it everyone's real surprised he didn't tell her what was in store yeah I think Alex's big thing is that he's kind of ashamed of it or at least he thinks he's ashamed of it and that's why he he doesn't want to scare her away mm-hmm. but fuck does that suck because even if she pulled a benign card like even if she pulled Go fish. He's going to have to tell her after that. Yeah, because she's probably going to have to sacrifice a goat pretty That's what soon. I was going to say. At some <laughs> point, she's like, can you imagine Christmas? You're like, you, she still hasn't told her and they show up. 
<laughs> she's expecting a turkey dinner. They're like, okay, everybody, here's your present and here's your knife. The goat's over on the altar. Well, and I think that's too why she survives in the end. It's not just because she she made it till dawn. I think it's because, yeah, she got married, but the Satanism wasn't consummated. Like she didn't she, oh. she didn't have the chance to willfully choose to, fo- to part, like follow along you know what i mean I, I like that i like that a lot it leads into a thought i had that she uh like that the whole family was doomed from the get-go because they cheated and like, i think you're right i think that's the first cheat is that she's unaware she's playing a game or at least she doesn't know the rules of the game so like that's bullshit right out the gate but on top of like throughout the rest of the movie they cheat whenever they can it starts with Alex, who's trying to... He's on her team now. He's breaking rank. He's not on his family's side. He's trying to get her out, trying to help her escape. They turn on the security cameras. They establish at the beginning, like, oh, we we have all these rules, and we play it the way great-great-grandpa would have played it. But then they break all of those rules just to get her. True. So it's like, it's almost like that's, the, like all of the transgression in the movie is theirs. It's not hers. That's very true. Yeah. And I honestly am surprised at every turn that she like makes it out of the house, that she gets in a car and you're just like, the horror fan in you knows that the runtime, you're like, okay, well, we're only well, she, 42 yeah. minutes in this. Like what the fuck's happening? And it's so soul crushing that like they drive her back and they, they get her every time. I know she does everything right. She even tries to kill the butler when she should kill the butler. But... I'm so sad that that gun turned out to right? be useless. <laughs> that so... bullet belt was so fucking cool. And she had to just ditch it. You're like, oh, she's not even going to wear it for accessory? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn. Put your lipsticks in there. It looks cool. Oh, man, that would be cool. You got to get that. It's it's weird, though, without context. Actually, I dressed up as Grace uh, one Halloween pre-COVID. You already had the yellow converse. And uh, because of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) We we went to Halloween Horror Nights and we hung out in City Walk and stuff. And everybody just thought I was a bride. There was just, I just dressed up as a bride for fun. You're like, it's Halloween Horror Nights. You guys should get this. (laughs) You're the crowd. And it was, honestly, I think it was the year the movie came out. Yeah, it had to be. Because it was pre-COVID. This came out in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. that's You don't get any more pre-COVID than 2019. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, another little fun thing about this movie that I noticed this time around. What? This is not a discussion point. We're, I'm going to say this. You're going to say, cool. And then there's going to be, we're not going to have anything to jump off. So get ready for your next point. Okay. We don't hear the here comes the bride theme until she's coming into the room to play the game. Because the wedding doesn't matter. The only thing that's important about joining the family is playing the fucking game. That's just like a fun little post-production detail. It also plays again at the end of the movie when she's walking down the stairs in... Uh, oh, like when she's escaping? Yeah. And going back the down the very, aisle? At the very, very end of the film. Man. The, the last, the final image of this movie is incredible. I don't know that we've topped it since. We've had fucking Halloween movies come out since Ready or Not. It's been three years, and like, have, has there been a better ending than her just like blood-soaked, sitting on the steps, having a cigarette, complaining about her in-laws while the police show up? Honestly, I think that's a classic horror ending. That's the Sally in a truck ending. Yeah, but what? Like, how many movies have you watched since this came out, and how many times are you hooting and hollering at the screen? That's true. Yeah, rarely. I think we should shout out to Radio Silence for directing the film. It fucking looks dope. Yeah, it looks amazing. It looks like a haunted house I want to hang out in. It's regal as fuck. It's so regal and spook. Yeah, there's so many pentagrams all over the goddamn place, you just don't even know it. It's like hidden Mickeys at Disneyland. (laughs) (laughs) 
but with, there's so many scenes too where we we pan across the Le Domas's board game collection of all the games that they've made and I honestly wish we could just do it for the whole movie because there's so many quirky board games that would only be made by a family who's made a pact with the devil. <laughs> Surely to God one of them has all those board games at home. Right because it's like family ritual and there's like a murder mystery there's all kinds of like creepy little games in their catalog of of board games so great i'm such a board game nerd that if those games were real i would play them all i don't care how murdery they are <laughs> something really exciting that i don't know if you know uh, one of the writers of the film guy busick uh, it was also co-written by r christopher murphy mm-hmm. guy busick is working on the new final destination six Oh, is he the he's the new person that's been brought in? Yeah. So the Spiegel brothers are a hundred percent off of it. Uh, I don't, I don't know, but yeah, Final Destination Six. This has total Final Destination vibes, especially those final moments of the the Demos family getting their comeuppance. So good, so 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 good. We didn't talk once about the ant and how dope the ant looks. Oh, she's so cool. Just like her fucking like David Lynch pomp, carrying a fucking battle axe the whole time. Like the bride dies tonight. I honestly like her more in the opening sequence where she's a sad little bride and she's like, "Don't kill my new husband." You like her because she looks like a mob wife. She. Does look like a mob wife, and I also love the big puffy wedding dress. I love. I love later on when somebody's like, "Well, at least we're not wearing those dumb masks." And it's like, "Well, that was Dad's idea. It was the '80s." Because <laughs> yeah, that's a that's an '80s wedding dress, and uh, and wearing masks while killing people for Satan. That's a cocaine fueled '80s idea. <laughs> that is a vibe. Yeah, honestly, if we were to get more Ready or Not movies, they would have to be prequels. Although I guess we could just be with a families. different family. Although you wouldn't get that board game fanciness. The board game stuff is what fucking makes this. Well, yeah, but like, what's the ritual for another family? Surely there's another fun idea. That's true. That is very true, because it would probably relate to whatever their deal is with. Their deal is is fortune through games, and mm-hmm. so they have to play like a ritualistic game. It's weird that only one game results in... Um, Murder? Yeah, and it's, it's hide and seek. Don't you kind of wish it was like, there were a lot of them, like... You had to play fucking Clue and you could die. <laughs> oh, you want all of the games to be murdered? Yeah. Okay. But I guess that you, in that sense, you can't do that because how do you get anybody to bring any of their spouses into this family? Well, that's that's the actual, that's the game. The game isn't the game that they play. The game is that in order, to, is, is that anytime you bring somebody new into the family, you pull a card. Like that's, that's the game. Mm-hmm. The game is that at any point, it's essentially just Russian roulette with your family. And like at any point, you may have to pull the trigger on somebody you like or love. <laughs> yeah, hopefully love. Yeah, it's, it's so crazy because you, you assume that you're just going to get a fun card. Like how does the devil pick? Are you due every certain amount of years? It's just a completely, we would think, random thing. Or maybe the devil's like, she doesn't belong in this family. <laughs> it might. So there, there is a moment where the aunt says that the son, Alex, uh, Grace's, Grace's husband, is destined to lead the family. Like, he's the one that's going to take over the... Um... It's because he's the favorite. Because the other ones are, like, fucking failures. Well, yeah, the other ones are just, like, drug addicts and alcoholics for the most part. But, yeah, he supposedly saw Mr. DeMoss in the... Or Mr. LaBelle. I'm fucking these names I know, up. it's because... Can it's... I just say Satan? He saw, <laughs> sa- he saw Satan in his chair when he was a kid. Uh, and then, like... But that's still at a, ra- a time when we think that, like, this might all be bullshit. So it, c- it could always be that... 
she pulled that card because he would be the person to take on the family's legacy. So, like, this is this is their like great his filter. test or something? Yeah, his test, the family's test. It's like, if you guys are going to go for another generation, it, you have to make it past this point. Well, and that's very interesting, too, because um, the aunt, when we see her in present day, like, she's cold and hard, and she's the most intense person in the family who's into this. Mm-hmm. She's very dedicated to this, basically, little family cult they've got going on. But when we see her in the opening, she doesn't want that. She doesn't want to be part of this. She wants her husband to stay alive. Obviously, she loves him. But she says that it's it's what turned her like she should have killed him herself. So maybe that she was chosen because she wasn't on board with the culty thing. You know what I mean? Because it seems like the other kids don't really give a shit either way. They're like, whatever. (laughs) Pull a card. (laughs) They are treating this like everybody treats every weird family tradition they do at at Christmas, right? They're just like, okay, yeah, we all sit around and and do this and do that, and it's weird and all, but like, whatever, I just did a bump, so I'll make it through the next 15 minutes of this (laughs) awkward family interaction. Um, Like, they're treating it like anybody else treats normal stuff, because it's normal to them. Yeah, the moment when she pulls the hide-and-seek card, catching people's facial expressions is really good, because you see that the mom is really sad for her son. Right? Like, she's not even, like, center stage in this moment. It's, like, the best part. It's the best scene in the movie for Annie McDowell. <laughs> she She's an interesting character because you can see at the beginning, like, she's, she's generally warm to Grace. She's very kind to her, and she's empathetic to, like, her position coming into the family and just kind of the weird coldness she's receiving, like, of being an outsider. And then she's on board with the murder. <laughs> So you're like, holy shit. She's got to do it. But it's just that further exemplifies like it's about the money. Yep. We got to keep the pockets full, even if this weird thing we do is not real. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's all about the Benjamins. Because it's I would say the only people that are 100 percent that the devil is real is the father and the aunt. I I guess like they're they're playing like that, but they don't know for certain. Yeah, but they're the only ones that have like full true conviction, and we're yeah. all about like the showmanship and the rules and the customs. And the kids are just like, yeah, this is just this thing my family does. Oh, that's again sounds like regular families doing regular <laughs> shit. <laughs> this is essentially Christmas Vacation, the horror version, where Dad's like, we're gonna have a good old fashioned family wedding. <laughs> Hallelujah! Holy shit! Where's the crossbow? <laughs> yeah. Actually, fun fact, the writers uh, are the guys in the crossbow tutorial video. Oh, no way. Yeah, that sister's husband is watching like a how to use your crossbow on the toilet. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. Uh, Shout out to, before we we wrap up, to the OnStar sequence. That was fucking hilarious. Ugh, fucking OnStar. (laughs) (laughs) This car has been reported stolen. (laughs) You're like, don't stop the fucking car. She's like, is there anything else I can help you with? Yeah, fuck yourself, Tyler. (laughs) He's like, okay, well, thank you very much, ma'am. Have a good night. Oh, boy. So, Kim, what's your rating of Ready or Not? Uh, I'm going to give Ready or Not a 3.5 out of 4. I'm also giving it a 3.5 out of 4. It's great. Such a fun movie. movie. Yeah. And I love how contained of a story it is. Like I said, if you were ever to do any future ones, I don't think they could take anything away from this. No. They always add stuff to the original and you're just like, I don't need it. <laughs> yeah, I don't I honestly don't think we'll ever get a sequel to this, but if we do, if I, I, we better see Samara weaving in it just like living off that family's fucking like mountain of gold but you could, by herself. You could go final destination with it and just do a different group of people every single time. You I could. think that's pretty interesting. 
But that's just what we thought of Ready or Not. Let us know your thoughts. What's your rating of this uh, survival horror movie? Uh, hit us up on Twitter at NOFS Podcast or in the Nightmare on Film Street Discord at nofspodcast.com slash discord. <laughs> <laughs> My brain halted on that. Uh, if you are a fan of Nightmare on Film Street, consider joining our Fiend Club on Patreon. It's a easy little way that you can support the show and make sure we keep delivering spooky content to you every week. That is at nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub. It's also the only place you can get the Never Sleep Again series. Kim and I watched all of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies in one sitting. Nine movies, nine podcasts, zero sleep. The first few episodes are, are up right now at the Fiend Club, and uh, we're just starting to get into I was into like, we're the, just getting into the sleepy ones. <laughs> yeah, we're just starting to get into the danger zone. Yeah, it took us 30 hours to record it, so there's some doozies in there. <laughs> yeah, but as always, you can support the show for $0 by recommending it to a friend, a fellow fiend that you wouldn't that you think would enjoy the show. And please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Until next time, I'm Kim. I'm John. Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive, but we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends. 